Live from historic downtown Carlisle, Pennsylvania, home of founding father James Wilson, 19th century hymn writer George Duffield, 19th century gospel minister George Norcross, and sports legend Jim Thorpe. It's Iron Sharpens Iron. This is a radio platform in which pastors, Christian scholars, and theologians address the burning issues facing the church and the world today. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 tells us iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Matthew Henry said that in this passage, we are cautioned to take heed with whom we converse and directed to have in view in conversation to make one another wiser and better. It is our hope that this goal will be accomplished over the next two hours, and we hope to hear from you, the listener, with your own questions. And now, here's your host, Chris Arnzen. Good afternoon, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, Lake City, Florida, and the rest of humanity living on the planet Earth who are listening via live streaming at Iron Sharpens Iron radio.com this is chris arnzen your host of iron sharpens iron radio wishing you all a happy thursday on this 25th day of january 2024 i thank you all so very much for your continued prayers over my bell's palsy which i just recently developed and it seems to be for the first day improving slightly i hope that nothing i say today uh, sounds too annoying. Uh, you may not even recognize a lisp in my voice, but I uh, am conscious of it because I know the way my mouth feels when I speak. But I thank you all so much for your ongoing outpouring of prayer and concern for me. And uh, I, I just thank you uh, more than I can even describe or ever describe in the English language how much you folks mean to me and how much it means to me that you constantly uh, are letting me know how much I mean to you and how much my show means to you. It's just a, a mind-blowing experience, and I can't even describe uh, what it means to me. I'm so grateful to you all and grateful to God for you all. But today uh, is one of those people that I am very grateful uh, to God for. Uh, his name is Jerry Johnson. He is a Returning guest to the program, one of my favorite guests to interview, and it seems to be, he seems to be one of the the favorite guests of a growing number of members in the Iron Trip and Zion radio listening audience who let me know that. Uh, Jerry is a world-renowned Christian apologist and documentarian. He is probably well, most well-known for his involvement in the uh, renowned uh, documentary known as Amazing Grace, The History and Theology of Calvinism. And uh, today we're going to be uh, talking about uh, something very personal to Jerry. Uh, we are talking about one man's journey out from Pentecostalism into Reformed cessationism. And it is my honor and privilege to welcome you back to Iron Trip and Zion Radio, my dear friend Jerry Johnson. Uh, hey, Chris, how you doing, brother? I am uh, doing well, and I had to... I'm sorry about that lag. I had to make sure I hit the unmute button. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, I just wanted to tell you, I had just gotten off the phone with the Pope, 
And he told me <laughs> that anybody that listens to this program is getting 10,000 years off their time in purgatory. <laughs> well, they must not listen. He must not listen to the show because he'd be adding time in purgatory. <laughs> I think if, he, if he actually listened. Um, uh, Jerry, uh, I think that you agree with me. I'm pretty confident you do. Uh, it would be a good idea to give a caveat here. Uh, I want first. Let me speak for myself. I have many Pentecostal and charismatic brethren whom I love dearly, yeah. whose lives model the life of Christ far more vibrantly than my own. Uh, who I have learned much from, uh, and uh, over the years, uh, some Pentecostal and charismatic pastors and although I hate to use the word layman, uh, I just know that most people know what I'm referring to when I say layman. Uh, they, they have become my closest friends. Uh, to name a couple, a very dear friend of mine, Pastor Jim Capo, who was for many years the pastor of the Massapequa Church of God on Long Island. Uh, and uh, he remains a friend. He's retired from ministry. Uh, but he is also a, a five-point uh, Calvinist. Uh, and that is a rare thing, but it is a growing phenomenon amongst Pentecostals and Charismatics. When I was first saved in the 1980s, you could hardly find anybody who was both theologically Reformed and Charismatic or Pentecostal, but now it is not all that shocking. It, it's not that Reformed people who are cessationists are becoming Pentecostals and Charismatic, it's more that Arminian Pentecostals and Charismatics are becoming Calvinists. But uh, I, I am not conducting this program with my guest today, Jerry Johnson, to bash or broad brush uh, or, you know, be mean-spirited toward uh, Pentecostals and Charismatics. And I don't want to give the false impression that I think that they are all lost uh, that they are all heretics, and so on. My main concern is when you uh, open up the doorway to modern, extra-biblical revelation, you are opening up the door to all kinds of dangerous ideas and teachings and even damnable heresies, even if the men themselves have not, as a result, adopted anything that is that dangerous or damnable it has happened and we have the word of faith pentecostal movement as an example i do not extend the same arm of brotherhood to those folks because the that is a, a pentecostalism on steroids that does delve into some uh, damnable teachings as such as uh, Christ uh, not being deity when he walked this earth, Christ becoming a demonic being on Calvary when he uh, died for the sins of his people, Christ becoming the first born-again Christian in hell. Uh, and we could go on and on and on. Speaking things to into existence, just like those in the occult believe. Uh, I, you know, I, and I've done... Uh, I've done multiple programs specifically on the heresies of the Word of Faith movement, but not everybody in 
Pentecostalism or the charismatic movement is word of faith. In fact, many openly and vociferously and boldly condemn those things just as intensely as I do. But th there's my piece. Do you want to add anything to your own caveat before we start? Yeah, um, actually, brother, what I was going to say is, let's just go ahead and start with my experience, my testimony, sure. if you will. Sure, well, let's, and, let's hear it. All right. And, and I'm, I'm afraid speaking about this because you've had, or I think you've had Costi in on your program. Yes. All right. And Costi would be much better speaking about this than me. He has a but different gonna, story, though. It's, it's, you, yeah, you have your own he story. Was, he was very involved in it. But when I was about 11 years old, my parents were going to a charismatic word faith style church. All right. And I, I went along not because I was a Christian. I hadn't even become a Christian by that point. But Susie Q went there to that church, and I thought Susie Q was cute. So that's the reason <laughs> I went. I had ulterior motives. But. Well, obviously, see, Susie Q didn't matter all that much because your beautiful bride. I didn't now, marry Susie yes, Q. Yes, your beautiful bride now is Tracy. So <laughs> Yes, yes. And uh, Benny Hinn was they used to say Benny Hinn was an evangelist out of the church. Now, I'm assuming that means they supported him. He did preach there a lot. He was there a lot. It was called Brandon Tabernacle in Brandon, Florida. And I can remember many of the, many times, and I, I want to make sure I don't want to go down too many paths, I can remember, I'll tell you one teaching I can remember of Benny Ann, all right? He told us that God the Father was in heaven, and Jesus was in heaven, and the Holy Spirit was in us, and the only way Jesus could have communion with the Holy Spirit was through us. So we had to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. And, of course, I recognize that that's just goofy. Yes. You know, and but I believe that even after I became a Christian, I believe that. And what had happened was years later, I had become a Christian and we were living in a small town in Georgia and they had a church of God. It was a Pentecostal church. And let me say for on record, the pastor of that church was and is a very godly man. If I could be half the godly man he was, I might be something. So I'm not saying he wasn't a Christian, but I started going to that church because, you know, I had grown up in the charismatic movement and we were very friendly with the Pentecostal movement. And so it was kind of the only place to go. And Tracy and I started going there <laughs> and uh numerous times let me go back to the the charismatic church numerous times the youth group there we had people come in they would pray for us to get the gift of tongues they they wanted us to speak in tongues they would pray over us and prophesy over us 
And I always thought I'm an open vessel if God wants to use me, but I'm not going to fake it. And so I never spoke in tongues, never did. And when I went to the Pentecostal church in that small town in Georgia, they did the same thing. They prayed over me. They prophesied over me. They laid hands on me. They anointed me with oil. And I was the same way. If God, I was a very open vessel. If God, and and I defended it. I believed in speaking in tongues at that time, even though it had never happened to me. And my attitude was, If God wants to do it through me, praise the Lord, but I'm not going to fake it. And that was the key thing. I wasn't going to fake it. But, uh, you know, eventually I started studying the gift of tongues because I was really confused. Why was it not happening to me? And that was something I had to deal with. And one brother shared with me, Matthew 7, 9, 11, which says, or what man is there among you if a son asked you for a loaf would give him a stone? How much more, or if he asked for a fish would give him a steak? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father or your father who is in heaven, give to those that ask him. Well, I had asked for the gift of tongues numerous times. Why didn't it happen to me? And what they wanted to do, when, when I say they had all those people come in, that they wanted, they had one lady, I remember distinctively, she was going to teach us how to speak in tongues. Well, if it's a, a miracle gift from God, why do you have to teach people? You know, you right. don't. Right. Like on the it's day of like, Pente- the day of Pentecost, they they weren't. Yeah. Called. It's like trying to teach people to walk on water. You right. can't do it. You know? And so I started really having a problem with the doctrine of speaking in tongues the way it was taught in charismatic Pentecostal churches. So I I eventually just, like I said, dug in the scripture, and the more I found out, the more I looked at it, the more I looked at the Greek. And I'm going to say this right now. The way charismatics and Pentecostals practice speaking in tongues is not biblical. That is not the biblical model at all. We all have to agree that speaking in tongues is in the Bible. It happened in Acts 2. Was it the same thing that's going on in Pentecostal charismatic churches today? And I don't believe it is. And of course, we have to just remind our audience that there is a fairly wide diversity amongst those that profess to be Pentecostal or charismatic, that they do not all practice sign gifts in the same manner, nor attach the identical beliefs to those gifts as others do. There are differences in approach and in theological positions on these things, even under the umbrella of Pentecostalism and Charismatic. And by the way, I think it would probably be wise for us to define those two things. From what I understand, Pentecostalism is typically referring to the major denominations 
that came out of the early 19th century movement of signs, wonders, and, and the sign gifts being so-called restored to the church. And within Pentecostalism, you have a set of doctrinal beliefs outside of those unique things about uh, the sign gifts that must be adhered to. And, and that's why you do have different denominations, because some do differ from other churches, like you have some that believe that foot washing is an ordinance, and, you know, we could go on and on. But charismatic is really applied to any denomination of Christians that has adopted an understanding that the sign gifts continue in the New Covenant even to the 21st century, and therefore you could have Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopalian, Anglican, Congregationalist, Lutheran, and and so on, churches that are charismatic. Am I making sense here? Am I accurate? No, that that is correct. And actually, the modern charismatic movement started in the Episcopalian church. Right, right. It was a guy called Francis McNutt. I actually call him Francis the Nutt. <laughs> <laughs> but I've read all of his books and they, you know, it was all experience. It was all emotionalism. And I will say, I tell people emotions don't follow correct doctrine. I'm sorry. Emotions don't lead correct doctrine. They follow correct doctrine. So I'm not against emotionalism, but it is not my main thing that I focus on. I focus on the truth. And before I had my stroke, I used to preach a lot and do a lot of uh, conferences and stuff. And one of the things I used to do was I would preach this sermon called the word of God in the child of God. And I would start out by saying, turn to second Timothy three sixteen. All emotions are given by the, uh, mouth of God or the word of God, breath of God. And uh, no, it does say emotions. And then I would go to uh, Habakkuk 4.6. My people perish, or 6.4. My people perish for a lack of emotions. It doesn't say that. It actually says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And it goes on to explain that knowledge is in the word of God. Not an emotionalism, not an experience. Uh, Jesus did not say man shall live by every experience that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He says every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The emphasis for us is always on God's word, not on experience or emotionalism. So you uh, are obviously identifying yourself as a former Pentecostal, but you never experienced. This. I never experienced, although I would have defended it. Yes. At that time, I would have defended it. And how were you treated by leaders and other congregation members uh, for not manifesting the gift of tongues? They, they used to say to me, I needed to wait on God. I needed to wait on the Holy Spirit. He'll give it to me one day. And that, that's, that's that's another difference that mainline Pentecostals and Charismatics have with the cult known as the United Pentecostal Church International, 
which is an anti-Trinitarian cult, and they right. they believe if you do not manifest tongues, you are not regenerate. That is true. They do believe that. And but but just just so you know, besides numerous cults, we're talking about the form of tongues as their practice and charismatic and Pentecostal denominations. And we said, or I said, I didn't think they were biblical. I don't believe they are biblical. There are a lot of, I read a, uh, uh, Assembly of God pastor had written a book against oneness Pentecostals and it was great. And he said in there at one point, I was talking with a guy who had been a former Jehovah's Witness, and his name was Dwayne Mignani. And I said, the only problem with the book, because we were thinking about republishing it at one point, I said, Dwayne, the only problem with the book is the guy says, it's it's evident that they've spoken in tongues, so we cannot deny that there are brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm one that I happen to believe that the doctrine of the Trinity is an essential aspect of saving faith. Now, I'm not saying you got to understand everything, but besides the oneness Pentecostals, there are many world religions that practice tongues like Pentecostals and Charismatics. The Hindus do, the Buddhists do, the Sufis do. There are a bunch of them out there. Mormons. Yeah, Mormons. And, you know, so all of a sudden, that is not a requirement for believing that somebody is saved. It is making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Okay, let's pick up on your testimony when we return from our first commercial break. If anybody would like to ask Jerry Johnson a question about his departure from Pentecostalism and entering into Theologically reformed cessationism, meaning that the sign gifts have ceased after the death of the apostles. Uh, please join us at chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least, your city and state of residence, and your country of residence if you live outside the USA. Only remain anonymous if your question involves a personal and private matter. I could readily understand this topic evoking personal and private questions. You may be still in a Pentecostal or charismatic church. You're starting to question what is going on around you. You may even be a pastor who has come to uh, question the sign gifts being perpetual today and, in fact, may have even already personally abandoned them, and yet your fellow elders And the rest of your congregation have not. In fact, I'm not going to mention him, but I know one brother who is exactly in that position. Uh, But whatever the case may be, we we will respect your request to remain anonymous. But if you're asking a general question, please give us your first name at least. City and state and country of residence. We'll be right back with Jerry Johnson. Do not go away. Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church, a Christ-centered, gospel-driven church looking to spread the gospel in the southwest portion of Long Island, New York, and play our role in fulfilling the Great Commission, supporting and sending for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're delighted to be a part of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron Radio advertising family. 
At Lindbrook Baptist Church, we believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God, inerrant in the original writings, complete as the revelation of God's will for salvation, and the supreme and final authority in all matters to which they speak. We believe in salvation by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. This salvation is based upon the sovereign grace of God, was purchased by Christ on the cross, and is received through faith alone, apart from any human merit, works, or ritual. Salvation in Christ also results in righteous living, good works, and appropriate respect and concern for all who bear God's image. If you live near Lynbrook, Long Island, or if you're just passing through on the Lord's Day, we'd love to have you come and join us in worship. For details, visit lynbrookbaptist.org. That's L-Y-N brookbaptist.org. This is Pastor Keith Allen of Lynbrook Baptist Church reminding you that by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. May the Lord bless you in the knowledge of himself. I'm Phil Johnson, Executive Director of Grace to You with John MacArthur. I've been a frequent guest on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, and I highly recommend this show. But today I want to tell you about one of its advertisers, Rare Document Traders. Far and away, my favorite source for quality Charles Spurgeon memorabilia. Are you looking for that special, unique gift for your pastor or missionary friend or a loved one? Why not purchase a piece of church history that any believer would cherish? Rare Document Traders is your one-step source for Spurgeon's handwritten manuscripts and letters, as well as other rare books and collectible items from church history. In 15 years that they've been in business, they've earned a stellar reputation in the Reformed community with thousands of satisfied customers all around the world, including me. Visit raredoctraders.com today. That's raredoctraders.com. Don't forget to mention you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. That's raredoctraders.com. Sarnson here, host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. I strongly recommend a church I've been recommending as far back as the 1980s, Grace Covenant Baptist Church in Flemington, New Jersey, pastored by Alan Dunn. Grace Covenant Baptist Church believes it's God's prerogative to determine how he shall be worshipped and how he shall be represented in the world. They believe churches need to turn to the Bible to discover what to include in worship and how to worship God in spirit and truth. They endeavor to maintain a God-centered focus and to protect worship from the intrusion of carnal entertainments and distractions. Reading, preaching, and hearing the Word of God, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, baptism, and communion are the scriptural elements of their corporate worship performed with faith, joy, and sobriety. Discover more about Grace Covenant Baptist Church in Flemington, New Jersey at gcbc-nj.org. That's gcbc-nj.org. Or call them at 908-996-7654. That's 908-996-7654. 
tell Pastor Dunn you heard about Grace Covenant Baptist Church on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. President of the SecureCom Group and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnson's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCom Group provides the highest level of security, closed-circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing, and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit securecomgroup.com. That's securecomgroup.com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Arnzen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Iron Sharpens Iron Radio praise God for the generous monthly financial support of Royal Diadem Jewelers, educated by and affiliated with the American Gem Society, Jewelers of America, and the Gemological Institute of America. For the perfect custom-designed engagement ring or any one-of-a-kind piece of jewelry created exactly according to your imagination and specifications, Royal Diadem Jewelers has you covered. No matter where you live in the world, Royal Diadem will walk you step-by-step through every stage of the process and even hold a high-tech internet virtual visit using state-of-the-art jewelry design technology to serve you. They start by listening carefully to determine your needs. They're interested in making what you want, not what they want to sell you. From rough design to digital model, to photorealistic image, to wax prototype model, to the finished product, they're continually listening to your input, likes and dislikes, making any changes necessary along the way. This will ensure that your custom jewellery will turn out exactly as you dreamed and well beyond your expectations. Visit royaldiadem.com. That's royaldiadem.com today. Sterling Vanderwerker, owner of Royal Diadem Jewellers, his wife Bronnie, his business partner and manager Brian Wilson, and the entire family thank you all for listening to, praying for, and supporting the work of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. 
And it just so happens, providentially, that my guest today, Jerry Johnson, is a customer already of RoyalDiadem.com. He purchased a piece of jewelry for his lovely wife, Tracy, for her birthday a number of months ago. And it was a stunning diamond ring, and she was showing that off on social media. And we received a very handsome check from RoyalDiadem.com for 100% of the profits from that sale that uh, they made to Jerry Johnson. If you could, just for a couple of minutes, give your own uh, personal impression of your experience with RoyalDiadem.com, Jerry. I was about to get into trouble. (laughs) Royal Diadem saved my life. (laughs) Because every Christmas or every time her birthday comes up, I kind of wait to the last minute. And then I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, her birthday's like three days away. And I didn't know what to get her. And I called the people at Royal Diadem. They FedExed me the ring. We wow. picked it out. They showed me it online. I paid them. They FedExed to me, and it was here the day before her birthday. Praise the whole God. thing took like five days. So they really saved my life. <laughs> so we loved it. She loves it. And so we'll go from there. But I would encourage your listeners, they are really great. And just in case somebody doesn't know, Women love jewelry. <laughs> I don't know if anybody doesn't know that. But, uh, yep. but uh, and keep in mind, folks, a Royal Diadem is still offering Iron Trep and Zion Radio 100% of the profits from any sale of jewelry to an Iron Trep and Zion Radio listener who mentions Iron Trep and Zion Radio when making their jewelry purchase. So if you have any intention to buy jewelry for yourself or someone you love, and Valentine's Day is coming up right around the corner, Please go to RoyalDiadem.com, RoyalDiadem.com today, at least to get the ball rolling on your purchase, and make sure you mention Iron Trep and Zion Radio so that we will be guaranteed to receive 100% of the profits from that sale. That's RoyalDiadem.com. We're now back with Jerry Johnson. We are talking about his journey out from Pentecostalism into theologically reformed cessationism. If you have a question, send it to chrisarnson at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least. City and state and country of residence only remain anonymous if your question is about a personal and private issue. I also wanted to uh, say something in loving memory of a of another Pentecostal pastor who became an, an, a very extremely close friend of mine, Al Stein, the former pastor uh, while he was living on this earth of the Neighborhood Assembly of God in Belmore, Long Island. Uh, Al was tragically killed in an automobile accident uh, a number of years ago, but he was a frequent guest on the early Iron Trip and Zion radio program broadcasting out of WNYG and WGBB radio on Long Island, and he was a remarkable brother. He was a mentor to me in many ways. He ultimately, although he was not theologically reformed when I first met him, he ultimately did become a five-point Calvinist. And he was able to maintain his position as a pastor in the Assembly of God, uh, even though he believed that a true Christian could not lose their salvation. Uh, that was seemed to be the main concern of the Assemblies of God uh, that they uh, disagreed over. And he had to sign a paper uh, saying that he 
denied eternal security. Uh, I think they may have even had to do this annually. And Al rather said, I believe in evidential security, meaning that if you are truly born again, you will give evidence of it. You will bear fruit because many people, uh, unfortunately, misunderstand that teaching uh, of eternal security and think that that automatically means a Christian can live like the devil for his entire life without repenting and still go to heaven. And unfortunately, the reason they believe that is that there are many advocates of eternal security who teach that, including the late Charles Stanley. Yeah, his book. Yes. His book was terrible. Yes. And and, uh, and on top of that, Al Stein uh, loved the ministry of John MacArthur, and you can't come up with a more strict cessationist than John MacArthur. And even to the point where Al told me he saw the videos of the Strange Fire Conference, which was all about right. uh, a, a very strong critique opposing Pentecostal and charismatic teachings. And he even said, that is Al Stein said, I agreed with about 95% of what was said. I His only complaint was he thought that the conference uh, was not nuanced enough to really show the fact that there were differences amongst Pentecostal and charismatic uh, advocates, and uh, if that was Al's opinion. But it didn't stop him from recommending Grace to You and John MacArthur's ministry wholeheartedly. So I just wanted to bring up Al as being somebody I truly loved and respected, and I truly honor his, his memory. But if you could pick up where you left off uh, in your journey out of Pentecostalism. All right, so what happened was, I was at the small Pentecostal church in that little town in Georgia. And like I said, I was prayed over and prophesied over and anointed with oil and drugged to the front of the church and never spoke in tongues. Subsequently, I had left because somebody had proved to me what at that time I believed was the doctrine of eternal security, which I now believe was perseverance of the saints. Yes. So I'm not to get in that too long, but I agree. Eternal security is only one half. Um, I like that idea. What did you call it? Conditional security? Uh, no, he called it evidential security. That's Al Evidential Stein. security. I like that. That, that, that's, that's a good term. But anyway, I left the church, started going to a Baptist church, but I will tell you, still at that point, probably a year, I would have defended speaking in tongues until a guy said to me, if that is the word of God, which I believe that at that time, then why are you not writing it down, canonizing it, and sticking it in the backs of your Bibles? And I thought, man, that's a good point. Yep. And so that is what really got me to start studying the doctrine of eternal tongues. And unfortunately, I read a book by John MacArthur, <laughs> and it really messed me up. <laughs> and that's when I started digging it into it deeper. I got every book I could on 
the doctrine of defending speaking in tongues. And the problem was I already read MacArthur's book and my, my thought was, well, he's got to be lying. <laughs> that was my thought. I was actually trying to prove speaking in tongues as the way the Charismatics and Pentecostals practiced it. But when that brother said that to me, I was like, all right, that's a valid point. So I started studying that out. I had read John MacArthur's book. Every book I read that was pro-speaking in tongues, MacArthur had already dealt with, and he did critical Greek commentary. And I was like, you know, I already know the answer to that because they were talking about experience. And contrary to popular belief, experience is not the best teacher. The word of God is the best teacher. And now, go ahead. I'm sorry, what did you say? I was going to ask something, but you can continue if you'd like. Go ahead and ask. Uh, one of the main divisions between Pentecostals and cessationists is an understanding of exactly what the baptism of or with the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost is. And uh, the mainline denominations of Pentecostalism, like Assembly of God, Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, and others, uh, they believe that speaking in tongues is the sign, capital T-H-E, sign. That you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, that, and, right. right. Yeah. And obviously, uh, cessationists disagree with that because these same Pentecostals who say it's a necessary sign and the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they don't believe like the the cult uh, oneness Pentecostals uh, do, they do not believe that those who are not speaking in tongues are damned or unregenerate. That is correct. But they still believe that they're not baptized with or by the Holy Spirit. Do you? Can you articulate what is the nuanced difference between Pentecostals and cessationists over that? Um, no, I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I could. Because i got to let you know, what you see there in Acts, to me, this is to me, the greatest miracle is not that they were speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. The greatest miracle is that you had a group of ragtag disciples at that time who were becoming apostles who were scared to death. And all of a sudden, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they became bold. Yes. And they spoke. The gospel. Now, one of the things, again, in Acts chapter 2, and it doesn't take, I mean, when I was in seminary, we actually went through Acts chapter 2, and yeah, chapter 1 and chapter 2, and one of the things that they taught us that I really believe was all the textual breaks in, in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. What I found astronomically fascinating was that most of the time the Pentecostal charismatics believed that 120 people poured out of the upper room, which I don't even know how you would get 120 people in an upper room. <laughs> and they all spoke in tongues. But if you read critically Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two, it was only at that time, the 11 
remember Judas had died. Right. So it was just the disciples who later became the apostles. It's never recorded even. Well, let me, let me think. Yeah, it might have been, uh, Matthias also. So the 12, but it wasn't women. It wasn't the men that was with them. It was only the apostles that spoke in tongues. And, uh, so what do I believe about that today? Because I'm a cessationist, I believe that a person, when they receive Christ as Lord and Savior, they are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it is yeah. it is quite bizarre to me that you would claim that speaking in tongues is the sign of baptism with the Holy Spirit, when that yeah. sign can be easily faked. It's strange to me that somebody would elevate that uh, activity as being the sign of anything important Yeah, when it can be easily, easily, easily faked. Well, yes, it can be easily faked. It can be. And that's why in Acts chapter 2, you have like 15 dialects present that day, and every man understood them in their own language. They weren't talking some angelic language or some type of gibberish. Right. And so Acts chapter 2 has no bearing on 1 Corinthians 12 or 1 Corinthians 14. Now, people will ask me, do you believe God heals today? Yes, I do. I've seen it. I'm a living example of it. I wasn't supposed to live after I had my stroke. Wow. Why did, why did God let me have a stroke? Why does God let me live? I'm surprised every morning I wake up and he hasn't killed me. Because I'm in continual, impotent, manifested rebellion against my God. And I do it with my thoughts, with my words, and my deeds. And the only thing I can plead is the blood of the Lord Jesus. That's it. Nothing else. Hallelujah. So why, why do I, why, why, why am I not dead is a better question. Actually, that was something I had asked Dr. R.C. Sproul when we did the, uh, Amazing Grace documentary. And he said, people are asking the wrong question. People need to ask, why isn't God killing us? Right. <laughs> and, you know, he, he should be. He should be. But uh I'm sorry, I went down a rabbit trail. No, 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 you no, you haven't actually. Uh one what thing was... one thing I would like to ask you uh is what were you told was the benefit behind the experience of tongues, especially since it was broadened, or should I say is broadened beyond what we believe the New Testament uh, gift was, we believe that it was for the very purpose of evangelism to people of tongues other than ours that we did not innately understand. Uh, that was an obvious purpose. When you, but when you have a private situation where it's just a private prayer language, or a sign to people around you. What, what is really the benefit behind this? Uh, I remember one uh, dear brother, I haven't seen him in years, but a Pentecostal brother, insisted 
that uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as Pentecostals and Charismatics understand it, uh, makes Christians much more bold and fearless disciples and ambassadors for Christ. And I said, well, point in church history where that's true. Yeah. I mean, how many martyrs were burned alive, even women and children voluntarily yeah. going to their death who never had this gift? So that's just that's just a, an assumption and a uh, a belief that really has no evidence. Are you going to say that Pentecostals on average are somehow superior Christians in their lives to non-Pentecostals and Charismatics? I don't see it. No. You know what, brother? That is something I warn people about, even when it comes to Calvinism. Right. Why, why do I believe in Calvinism, which I believe is the gospel, and John Wesley didn't? Right. Does that make me more holy, holier than John Wesley? I don't believe so. Uh, oh, what is his name? George Whitfield one time was asked by somebody, will we see John Wesley in heaven? And George Whitfield said, no, we won't. And the reason we won't is we'll be so far back from our father's throne, and he will be so close, we can't behold him at that distance. That's right. And in fact, Whitfield requested before he died that John Wesley preach at his funeral, which he did. Yeah. And you know what? It's just it's what I call the obnoxious Calvinist. Now, I do believe in Calvinism. I believe in the five points of Calvinism. I believe just like the Synod of Dort spelled it out. I believe that is the gospel. The, the thing I praise the Lord for is that God did not call us to be theologians and scholars before he saved us. He saves us in spite of our right. theology, if you will. And so why didn't John Wesley believe in what was called the five points of Calvinism? I don't know. I really don't know. But I do believe the man was a Christian. He believed that Christ alone saved him. And so it was something outside of himself. He believed that. If if you would have said to me back when I was a Arminian with a brain full of mush, if you would have told me I believe in work salvation, I would have fought you tooth and nail. No, I do not. Now I realize that if I believe my faith saved me, and I'm saying my faith, instead of it being a gift of God's grace, that he saves me through faith, and it's his grace that saves me through faith in Christ alone, you know, like I said, why did Wesley believe that or didn't believe that? Why why did I not believe that at first? I didn't. But now I do. I understand it. So I would say, don't be the obnoxious Calvinist that feels that they have to go around and convert everybody to Calvinism. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to testify to Jesus Christ. And you had asked me, what was I told? Now, I could tell you what I was told. I don't know if this goes for every charismatic and be hostile. Right, go ahead. I I was told that there are things that I don't know, that I'm not conscious of, that need to be prayed about. And the Holy Spirit is going to pray through me about those things. That's what I was told. 
I, you know, I, like I said, I don't know if every charismatic and Pentecostal believes that. And I think it'd probably be also uh, good to insert here one of the reasons that Pentecostalism and the charismatic movement even came to be. Uh, it is largely due to the errors, the serious, egregious errors of the church that had become lifeless, overly formal and robotic, uh, dry, impotent, uh, and even if you want to introduce the, the heresies of the higher criticism movement, which began to deny essential truths of the scriptures, including that the miracles ever took place, ever. And you, you had this, these group of, of Christians who tenaciously clung to the inerrancy and accuracy and historicity of the Bible. They just didn't understand how these things came to cease that took place in the first century. So in order for them to maintain that the Bible was true, they believed we must be able to experience these things today. And let me pick up where we just left off there, because we have to go to our midway break right now. Uh, once again, if anybody wants to join us with your own question, send it to chrisarnson at gmail.com. Give us your first name, at least, city and state and country of residence. Use this time wisely. Please contact as many of our advertisers as you can. And to further ensure that you will successfully do that, write down the contact information for as many of our advertisers as you can. We hope you very often buy their products and use their services and visit their churches. But when you can't do any of that, please at least thank our advertisers for sponsoring Iron Trip and Zion Radio because we cannot exist without the financial support they provide. And send in your questions to Jerry Johnson to chrisarnson at gmail.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Puritan Reformed is a Bible-believing, kingdom-building, devil-fighting church. We are devoted to upholding the apostolic doctrine and practice preserved in Scripture alone. Puritan Reformed teaches men to rule and lead as image-bearing prophets, priests, and kings. We teach families to worship together as families. Puritan is committed to teaching the whole counsel of God so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. We sing the Psalms, teach the law, proclaim the gospel, make disciples, maintain discipline, and exalt Christ. This is Pastor David Reese of Puritan Reformed in Phoenix, Arizona. Join us in the glorious cause of advancing Christ's crown and covenant over the kings of the earth. Puritan Reformed Church. Believe. Build. Fight. PuritanPHX.com Have you noticed the gap that exists between the Sunday morning sermon and the Sunday school classroom or the small group study? So often we experience great preaching from the pulpit, but when it comes time to study God's Word in those smaller settings, well, let's be honest, it leaves a lot to be desired. It seems like it is nearly impossible to find good curriculum out there today that is true to the Word of God and is built upon sound doctrine. Much less, it's hard to find curriculum that will actually teach people how to study the Bible. Hi there, my name is Jordan Too, and I am the Executive Director of the Baptist Publishing House. Our ministry is dedicated to providing local churches with sound Bible study resources. Our quarterly curriculum is titled The Baptist Expositor, 
And for good reason. We are Baptist and we exegete the scriptures. If you want to have a curriculum that teaches your people how to study the word of God, I invite you go to our website, download a free study, baptistpublishinghouse.com. May God bless you. I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, President Emeritus and Professor of Systematic and Applied Theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Every Christian who's serious about the Reformed faith and the Westminster Standards should have and use the eight-volume commentary on the theology and ethics of the Westminster Larger Catechism titled Authentic Christianity by Dr. Joseph Moorcraft. It is much more than an exposition of the Larger Catechism. It is a thoroughly researched work utilizes biblical exegesis as well as historical and systematic theology. Dr. Moorcraft is pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, and I urge everyone looking for a biblically faithful church in that area to visit that fine congregation. For details on the eight-volume commentary, go to westminstercommentary.com, westminstercommentary.com. For details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, Visit heritagepresbyterianchurch.com, heritagepresbyterianchurch.com. Please tell Dr. Moorcraft and the saints at Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, that Dr. Joseph Piper of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary sent you. Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005. The publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. This is Daryl Bernard Harrison, co-host of the Just Thinking Podcast, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Tom Buck. A First Baptist Church in Lindale, Texas, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Kent Keller of Faith Bible Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Andrew Rappaport, the founder and executive director at Striving for Eternity Ministries, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Mark Romaldi, pastor of Sovereign Grace Church of Greenbrier, Tennessee, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Christopher Cookston, pastor of Prineville Community Church in Prineville, Oregon, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Matt Tarr, pastor of High Point Baptist Church in Larksville, Pennsylvania, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order. Hello, my name is Anthony Uvino, and I'm one of the pastors at Hope Reform Baptist Church in Quorum, New York, and also the host of the ReformRookie.com website. I want you to know that if you enjoy listening to the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio Show like I do, You can now find it on the Apple's iTunes app by typing Iron Sharpens Iron Radio in the search bar. You no longer have to worry about missing a show or a special guest because you're in your car or still at work. 
Just subscribe on the iTunes app and listen to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio show at any time, day or night. Please be sure to also give it a good review and pass it along to anyone who would benefit from the teaching and the many solidly reformed guests that Chris Arnzen has on the show. Truth is so hard to come by these days, so don't waste your time with fluff or fake news. Subscribe to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio podcast right now. And while you're at it, you can also sign up for the ReformRookie.com podcast and visit our website and the YouTube page. We are dedicated to teaching Christian theology from a Reformed Baptist perspective to beginners in the faith as well as seasoned believers. From Keech's Catechism and the Doctrines of Grace to the Olivet Discourse and the Book of Leviticus, the Reformed Rookie podcast and YouTube channel is sure to have something to offer everyone seeking biblical truth. And finally, if you're looking to worship in a Reformed church that holds to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, please join us at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Coram, New York. Again, I'm Pastor Anthony Avenio, and thanks for listening. If you love Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, one of the best ways you can help keep the show on the air is by supporting our advertisers. One such faithful advertiser who really believes in what Chris Arnzen is doing is Daniel P. Patafuco, serious injury lawyer and Christian apologist. Dan is the president and founder of the Historical Bible Society. Their mission? To foster belief in the credibility of Scripture as the written Word of God. They go to various churches, schools, and institutions to publicly display a rare collection of biblical texts, along with a fascinating presentation by Mr. Butterfuco demonstrating the reliability of Scripture. To advance the cause of the gospel, they created a beautiful, perfect facsimile of the genealogy of Jesus Christ from the original engravings contained in a first edition 1611 King James Bible. This 17th century hand-engraved chart shows the family tree of Jesus Christ going back to Adam and Eve. This book is complete with gorgeous full-size illustrations of Noah's Ark, and the Tower of Babel, and an explanation of why the genealogy of Jesus is so important for his claims to the throne of the universe. Originals of this work are in museums, and nobody has ever made it accessible to the public in a large book form before. You can have your own copy of this 44-page genealogy book for a donation of $35 or more. Visit historicalbiblesociety.org. That's historicalbiblesociety.org. Thanks for helping to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. This is Pastor Bill Sasso, Grace Church at Franklin, here in the beautiful state of Tennessee. Our congregation is one of a growing number of churches who love and support Iron Sharpens Iron Radio financially. Grace Church at Franklin is an independent, autonomous body of believers which strives to clearly declare the whole counsel of God as revealed in Scripture through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the end for which we strive is the glory of God. If you live near Franklin, Tennessee, and Franklin is just south of Nashville, maybe 10 minutes, or you are visiting this area, or you have friends and loved ones nearby, 
We hope you will join us some Lord's Day in worshiping our God and Savior. Please feel free to contact me if you have more questions about Grace Church at Franklin. Our website is gracechurchatfranklin.org. That's gracechurchatfranklin.org. This is Pastor Bill Sasser wishing you all the richest blessings of our sovereign Lord, God, Savior, and King Jesus Christ today and always. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Solid Ground Christian Books is a publisher and book distributor who takes these words of the Prince of Preachers to heart. The mission of Solid Ground Christian Books is to bring back treasures of the past to minister to Christians in the present and future and to publish new titles that address burning issues in the church and the world. Since its beginning in 2001, Solid Ground has been committed to publish God-centered, Christ-exalting books for all ages. We invite you to go treasure hunting at solid-ground-books.com. That's solid-ground-books.com and see what priceless literary gems from the past or present you can unearth from Solid Ground. Solid Ground Christian Books is honored to be a weekly sponsor of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And don't forget, folks, solid-ground-books.com is experiencing a major book sale crisis. I'm asking uh, my Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listeners to come to the rescue of this fine organization, which generously sacrifices a great deal of their finances uh, giving them to Iron Trip and Zion Radio so that we can continue to exist. Please go to solid-groundishbooks.com today and make the largest purchase of books that you possibly can and mention that you heard about them on Iron Trip and Zion Radio. And please keep in mind, you're not only going to be doing solid-groundishbooks.com a favor by buying books from them, and you're not only going to be doing Iron Trip and Zion Radio a favor by keeping one of our most important advertisers happy, you're going to be doing yourself and anybody for whom you purchase books from solid-grand-books.com an enormous favor of incalculable value because they bring back into print and unearth hidden treasures of literature dating back to the 16th century Protestant Reformation. Uh, some of them that have been unknown for years, even centuries, to the church who have been recovered by solid-ground-books.com and made available once again. And they also bring back into, and they also, I should say, uh, bring into print for the very first time modern works, like books like my dear friend Dr. James R. White of Alpha and Omega Ministries. <clears throat> so please go to solid-ground-books.com, frequently purchase generously, Always mention that you heard about them from Chris Aronson of Iron Trip and Zion Radio. Before I return to Jerry Johnson, I just have a couple of announcements to make. First of all, if you really love this show, folks, you don't want it to disappear from the airwaves. You look forward to hearing it every day. You look forward to hearing guests that you may not hear anywhere else and topics that are rarely discussed anywhere else. Well, please help us to continue to survive. Go to irontrepandzionradio.com, click support. Then click, click to donate now. You could donate instantly with a debit or credit card in that fashion. And if you prefer snail mail, going into your local post office 
and mailing a physical check to a physical address the old-fashioned way? Well, we also will provide for you a physical address that will appear on your screen when you click support at iontrepanzionradio.com, where you can mail your checks made payable to Iontrepanzion Radio. If you want to advertise with us, if it's your church, parachurch ministry, business, private practice like a law firm or a medical firm, or just a special event, whatever it is, if it's compatible with my beliefs, I would love to help you launch an ad campaign quickly because we are just as much in urgent need of your advertising dollars as your donations. So send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put advertising in the subject line. Also, please always remember, I never, ever want Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listeners to give your own churches or your members less money than you normally give your church on the Lord's Day in order to give to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Please don't do that. And also, if you're really struggling to survive and make ends meet, wait until you're back on your feet before you send us a financial gift. Uh, The Bible is very clear that we are primarily to use the money with which God has blessed us, which is still God's money. We're primarily to use that to to provide for our church and our family. Providing for my radio show is obviously not a command, but if you do love this show and you are blessed financially above and beyond your ability to provide for church and family, you have extra money for benevolent, recreational, and trivial purposes, please share some of that money with us. If you want the show to continue to survive, go to iontrepanzionradio.com, click support, then click, click to donate now. Last but not least, if you are not a member of a Christ-honoring, biblically faithful, doctrinally sound, theologically solid church, no matter where on the planet Earth you live, I may be able to help you find a church close to you, as I have done with many people all over the world in the Iron Trip and Zion radio audience, sometimes even finding churches within a couple of minutes from where our listeners live. That may be you, too, if you are without a solid church home. So send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put I need a church in the subject line. That's also the email address where you can send in your questions to Jerry Johnson on his journey out from Pentecostalism into theologically reformed cessationism. That's uh, chrisarnson at gmail.com. Give us your first name, at least, city and state and country of residence. Before I go to any listener questions, Jerry, could you uh, please uh, continue with your your uh, testimony. Yeah. Um, let me say this, and I'm going to ask your listeners if they're driving, don't write it down <laughs> or try to write it down. Uh, go back and listen to the program once it's posted on the internet. Yeah. But I, when I was in seminary, I had a professor of new Testament and he used to tell us, you have to make sure you're understanding the language of what, what the book was, the book of the New Testament was written for. And he used to say, in the Gospels, we have the pro- proclamation of Christ. In Acts, we have the narration of Christ. In the Epistles, we have the explanation of Christ. And in Revelation, we have the consummation of Christ. So, You've got proclamation, narration, explanation, and consummation. And he said, you've got to be careful because a lot of times what the Pentecostals and Charismatics will want to do is they will want to build a whole theology around the book of Acts, which was 34 chapters written 
taken the place of 27 years. It's very scanty. It's telling you what happened. It's not telling you why it happened. And what you need to do is you need to go to the uh, epistles, which are the didactic part of the New Testament, and find a doctrine in there, taught in there. And that you do not find the, the gift of tongues explained except in first Corinthians 12 and first, first Corinthians 14. But in first Corinthians 14, it's literally an unknown language. You know, it's not the heteros glossalia that you see in Acts chapter 2, which was a known language. But in Acts chapter 14, it was an unknown language. And you've got to remember what he says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels. That doesn't mean there's an angelic tongue or the angelic language. That is hyperbole. It's like saying, when pigs fly... I will eat the chocolate cake. Well, pigs aren't fly. <laughs> you know, so the thing is, they're making a whole theology out of the book of Acts, which doesn't explain what's going on in their churches. And, you know, I used to ask people, what is it when you're speaking in tongues? And they would say, well, it's a word of knowledge. It's a foreign language. It's something you don't understand. You know, the Holy Spirit is just speaking through you. And like I said, when that guy asked me that question, if it is the word of God, if it is the word of God, why are you not writing it down, canonizing it, and sticking it in the backs of your Bibles? Right. And in fact, if you don't understand what language is coming to your mind and out of your mouth, how are you to know it's not demonic? Yeah. I mean, if you don't even understand what's happening, especially uh, amongst a group that theologically, at least many believe a true Christian can become demon possessed. So, All right, now. yeah, but uh, anyway, let me go to at least one listener for now. All right. Uh, we have an old friend of Iron Trip and Zion Radio who actually was frequently, for a number of years, my co-host on a regular basis. All right. Uh, Buzz, Buzz Taylor in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. You sure it's not Buzz Lightyear? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. I'm I've sorry, seen, Buzz. I've seen pictures of both of them, and it's definitely not Buzz Lightyear. It's not him. All right, all right. Uh, Buzz says, haven't heard Jerry in a few years. So good to hear him again. Love the subject as we have similar experiences. Acts chapter 2.15 says, there were 120 people there together. Please explain why only the apostles spoke with tongues, how much time elapsed between chapter 1 and chapter 2. You know, that's a good point, and I don't know if we have time to get in it. I haven't got Acts chapter 1 and 2 pulled up. But uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. When we get off the phone, is this something for him? Or is it something he believes I should explain? Uh, well, I'm assuming he would like the whole audience to hear. But, you know, you don't have to right now if you... If you... Yeah, but the thing is, if you go through there, let me try to do it real fast. And I am going to... Oh, yeah. I'm going to pull up Acts 2, New American Standard Bible. And 
And while you're doing that, I'm going to give our audience our email address. If you'd like to join Buzz with a question of your own, our email address is chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least, city and state and country of residence. Find what yeah. yeah, one thing I would say, if you look at Acts chapter 2, verse 14, and P- but Peter, taking a stand with the other 11, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea. Now he's saying, with the other 11, that makes 12 with Peter, and they were the ones that were speaking in tongues. He explains what they were doing. And again, I had mentioned the textual breaks in there. And, uh, the thing is, I, I, I don't have time really to go into all the textual breaks. And, uh, but let me, if you look at men of Judea who were there, uh, go through it very carefully and look at who the 12 were. And then the mere fact that it mentions them speaking in tongues and then having the miracle, it wasn't the 120. Okay. Well, thanks, uh, Buzz. Uh, I look forward to uh, seeing you and your next visit to Pennsylvania and uh, praying that God continues to use you in powerful ways in your new church in Pittsburgh, Massachusetts, as a member who leads many studies and other things. I'm so thrilled to hear that your gifts are being used. God bless you, dear friend. Uh, we have an anonymous listener who says, do you believe that if a Reformed church's leader, an elder or a deacon, informs his fellow leaders that he has become a non-cessationist but promises to keep his participation in these understandings private, is it okay for this leader to remain in his position, or do you believe he must be either removed or resign? If I would say this, I would say if he's not going to teach it, I would take it because you got to remember most of the uh, non-cessationists, I believe, are holding to a doctrine that is goofy. All right, and. I would say that would be up to the elders of the church. Now, how would I vote? Really, my point being is, suppose we're Presbyterian and somebody says, I no longer believe in paedo-communion, then they really need to leave. You mean paedo-baptism. Most Presbyterians do not believe in paedo-communion. I'm sorry, I keep doing that, brother. <laughs> I, I said that to I said that to my pastor the other day. Pedo baptism. Right. My bad. <laughs> but, uh, suppose he stood up and said, I don't believe in pedo baptism. And he was Presbyterian. Right. I now believe in credo baptism. Then he really needs to go to a Baptist church. And the reverse would be true, a reformed Baptist who comes to the Yeah, I, I would agree. Right. And so it's it's not an issue of us being mean. It's just an issue of where is he more comfortable and what does he believe? Uh, what does he believe the scriptures are saying? Now, if he believed in credo baptism, I think he's wrong. But I'm not going to break fellowship with him, but I don't believe he should be teaching at the church. But that's really an issue for the elders of that church. 
Yes, and and it's also I, I would think that many cessationist reformed pastors or even cessationist non-reformed pastors and elders when they're considering this you know there are different levels of non-cessationism so it may be a completely hypothetical position that the person has come to i don't you know they just don't want to 100 percent rule out uh things that uh, uh cessationists believe have completely ceased in the in the first century you know, they may be they may agree that most people speaking in tongues are making it up either consciously or unconsciously. So I think a lot of that has to do with it. I, th- I think I think we folks who especially from the reformed camp have to be very careful not to overstep the boundaries of prohibiting people from being Berean. Uh, would you agree, would you agree with me? Yes, I would. And my dog just walked into my office. <laughs> so if it jumps up here and starts licking me, it does that quite a bit. Uh, but uh, let, let me tell you one thing. When I, and we talked about this last night, when I left the whole movement, this was probably like 10 years after I had left it, I was talking with about five people that used to go to that church, Brandon Tabernacle. And I talked to them because we, they, we, we had seen that laughing revival at, uh, what do they call it? It yeah. was in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah. And I think it began in uh, Canada with uh, Rodney Howard Brown. No, it actually began in Lakeland, Florida, but oh, it okay. did begin okay. with Rodney Howard Brown, who I call Rodney Howard Clown. Yes, I, and I'm thinking of the Toronto Blessing, which I think is... Yes, you're of- thinking of the Toronto Blessing, which was part of the Brownsville Assembly. It started in Brownsville in uh, Pensacola, Florida. Okay. And uh, anyway, the... Yeah, I didn't want to get off on the laughing revival. I was talking with these people, and there was like four men and one woman, and we were sitting down, and I said to them, I saw y'all a lot of times speaking in tongues. Now, at this point, I didn't believe in the way the church practiced tongues. I believe it was extremely unbiblical. And I sat there, and I pushed them on it, and I said, Please tell me, did you really speak in tongues? Did you really believe that there was some type of supernatural power speaking through you? And every person to a T said, we faked it. Wow. And I asked him, I said, why do you think they did that? And one guy said, because we didn't want to be viewed as less than everybody else. Wow. And... I called that spiritual correctness. Years ago, I was talking with Hank Hanegraaff, and I had told him about this incident. I I don't remember if it made it in his book. Uh, I can't even remember what it was called. Counterfeit Revival? Yeah, I think that was it. And we had gone to China together, and I was telling Hank about this. And I said, you know, it's really astounding to me. You, you've got political correctness where you 
want to believe the right thing according to the majority. Well, the same thing happens in a lot of these charismatic Pentecostal churches. They have spiritual correctness. And so they want to do that so they're viewed as being holy. That was my conclusion. By the way, since you brought up Pancanagraph, I think it's my duty just to make a brief announcement that I believe that my listeners should stay clear away from Hank Canegraaff today. Yes, I would agree. He has apostatized into Eastern Orthodoxy, and that's not a light matter. It's a different gospel, no matter what Hank may say. Uh, so, uh, And it's also filled with idolatrous beliefs and practices. The worship of images and saints, even though they they swear that they are not worshiping, they are indeed worshiping images and saints, no matter what they say they are doing. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, right. Also, let me do this. I see one here on Amazon, just one. So somebody ought to grab it quickly. Uh, Dr. Curtis I. Crenshaw. The foreword was actually done by John MacArthur, hmm. but uh, he wrote a book called Man is God, The Word Faith Movement. Wow. Word of Faith Movement. Wow. And it was a great book. It was one of the best books I had ever read. But what Curtis Crenshaw said in this book that I thought was really appropriate and really needed, and people need to hear this. If if uh, if your tongue's manifestation says the same thing as Scripture, then it is not needed. If your tongue's manifestation is equal to Scripture, it is not authoritative. And if it adds to Scripture, then it should be rejected. And I thought that was a great kind of paraphrase of the whole movement. And something that I thought was uh, really good in explaining uh, words of knowledge, words of prophecy, anything like that. They they have no authority if they're adding to Scripture. They, they're not needed if they're the same as Scripture. And if they're less than Scripture, they're not authoritative at all. Right. And uh, Rodney Howard Brown, who you brought up, that man, I believe, is completely demonic. Uh, this is not just a peripheral... Uh, uh, difference of opinion on things. I saw him twice at a gathering. The reason I did is because the first time I did, the general manager of the radio station I worked for for 15 years wanted me to accompany him to witness for himself with his own eyes and ears, <clears throat> Rodney Hare Brown, because so many people in our audience apparently were were interested in him. And he wanted to see firsthand what was going on, so I accompanied him. And also I saw him a second time because a pastor friend also wanted to have that same firsthand knowledge of Brown. And we went as skeptics. <clears throat> now, what Rodney Howard Brown did at one of those meetings was very interesting. He uh, started mocking. Now, keep in mind, I'm saying he started mocking Pentecostals and Charismatics. And uh, basically, over the, the 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 commonality amongst Pentecostals and Charismatics for being demon phobic, and Rodney Howard Brown was saying, "I'm so sick and tired of Pentecostals and Charismatics praying 
demons out of the room when I go to their churches to speak. And he said, you don't need to pray demons out of the room when I'm around. When I enter a room, the demons scatter. And in my opinion, this man was was saying things to make his audience lay down their guard so that they would be open to any kind of crazy and bizarre manifestation that they could welcome into their minds and hearts and including demonic activity. I'm convinced of that. Uh, That that, that man is as lost as lost can be. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, When in Lakeland, Florida, and I can't remember the name of the church, the pastor's name was Carl Strader, but uh, Rodney Howard Brown was doing his lapping revivals. They had just started. And a friend and I, had gone to one. We had actually gone because I had talked to Dave Hunt and Dave asked me, can you go there and tell me what's going on? And I said, sure. So we went there and we laughed the whole time. Did we laugh because of the Holy Spirit? I don't believe so. We were laughing at some of those goofy people. Right. I couldn't believe what they were doing. And they were doing that. And, uh, it was actually crazy, and I reported back to Dave. And let me just say this. If Dave knew I'd become a five-point Calvinist, he would have died right then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. So, a, I never told him. He was a vehement anti-Calvinist, but now we know. Yes, he was. We, now we know that he is a more of a Calvinist than you and I. <laughs> yes. He is in glory, uh, for those of our listeners who don't know. And I will tell you this, just to, even though I believe Dave's theology was like being in kindergarten, mm-hmm. I will tell you one time John Ankerberg told me that Dave Hunt would take a three hour layover in the middle of the night to just to save him $75. Hmm. And I mean, he was a very gracious man. Mm-hmm. He really was. Oh. And uh, let's see, let's go on to another listener question. Uh, I was just looking at it. Oh, okay. I love this name. In fact, I've never heard of a person with this name, Galilee. Yeah, cool. West Hempstead, Long Island, New York. And Galilee asks, can non- Pentecostal and charismatic churches have the liberty to have much fellowship with those churches that are Pentecostal and charismatic as long as they are not delving into the heresies, including those of the Oneness Pentecostal or Word of Faith movement. All right. I don't know if I understand the question. In other words, uh, you're a member of a a very strong cessationist Presbyterian or Reformed Baptist church. There's a Pentecostal right. church down the road. They want, yeah. to, they want to participate in some event that does not cause you to violate your conscience or beliefs. And I'm using my own words here to describe what I believe Galilee is asking. Can we get involved with that church with anything as long as it doesn't have a, a conflict specifically with our cessationist understanding of the Scriptures? I, I don't know how to answer that. I will tell you this. 
Years ago, there was a large Pentecostal church up near Cleveland, Tennessee, and they were having Dr. Dwayne Gish. Now, he was a uh, with uh, Creationist Research Institute in California, and they were going to have him speak. And I went, I didn't have a problem with it. I, w- I went to that church to hear Dr. Dwayne Gish. And I remember I asked a friend of mine who was an independent Baptist if he would do that. And he said, no. And I said, why not? And he said, I wouldn't want people to see me going into that church knowing they don't believe in eternal security and they don't speak in, or they believe in speaking in tongues. I thought that was a very limited view. Yeah, I agree. You know, just, and like I said at the very beginning, I know charismatics and Pentecostals. I know people, and see, if somebody comes to me and says, I believe in a personal prayer language, and they want to do that in the privacy of their own home or in their prayer closet, I'm not going to deny them that. I think it's wrong, but I'm not going to deny it. If they ask me point blank what I thought of it, I tell them I think it was wrong, and here's why. If they don't ask me, and they don't believe they're adding the scripture in any way, shape, or form, then if what they want to do in the privacy of their prayer closet is up to them. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it a requirement for fellowship. Yeah, and uh, I just thought of another example of uh, somebody who is both charismatic and reformed, Wayne Grudem. Uh, you know, I, I, am I to say that I would never be involved in an event that he was participating in? Uh, and as much as I have very serious disagreements with Sam Storms, uh, he, no. he is theologically reformed and he's brilliant. Uh, he did an excellent lecture on the life of Jonathan Edwards, an excellent lecture. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, in fact, the churches that I've been most closely affiliated with have actually, on some occasions, had charismatic pastors who were also believers in the doctrines of sovereign grace preach. Uh, right. They've been involved in conferences and also have done pulpit supply. And of course, they never brought those issues up when they were behind the pulpit, and and that's probably a rare thing. Uh, most sixteen eighty nine confessional Reformed Baptists would probably never do that, but right. but I even know of a vehemently anti charismatic and Pentecostal church that's uh, not Calvinist, fundamentalist, independent King James only fundamentalist church that invited a charismatic man who is a historian an American in church history to speak. Uh, I was really actually surprised by that. Uh, but there you go. You have uh, a measure of grace being extended even by a group not well known for being graceful <laughs> and grace, yeah. gracious. Brother, let me tell you this. As a Reformed Presbyterian, I've been Reformed Presbyterian since 1992. And I have been invited to a lot of Pentecostal churches over the years. And when they invite me, I will not go there and use labels, if you will. I will teach the theology, some of it, because most of them don't know the theology anyway. If you go up to a Pentecostal and ask them, do you believe God is sovereign? They'll say yes. 
You know, do they know what it means? Probably not. Right. But so, that, that would go for any Arminian. Yeah. Uh, or most. Uh, in fact, you have Arminians today using a term that really was exclusively used uh, years ago by Calvinists, the term substitutionary atonement. Because, yeah. because the logical implications of that is if Jesus died as a sub- substitute for anybody, they are going to be saved. Right. And they don't see the disconnect there uh, by using that term, even though they believe Jesus died for every single human that ever lived, most of whom will go to hell. So it's kind of ironic. If you remember in the Amazing Grace documentary, mm-hmm. we quoted J. Kenneth Grider. Yes, I remember that. You remember that. And the thing was, a lot of uh, Arminians will say, Christ died for your sins. Well, if he died, he made payment for them. Right. And they will believe that. But Kenneth Grider chastised his fellow Arminians for saying that. He said, no, Arminianism doesn't believe that. So anyway, if I get somebody that wants me to come speak on, say, I I don't do it anymore because I get tired but if I got if I if I get a church that wants me to speak on why did Christ have to die, yeah, I will do it. I don't care. I mean, right. I believe it's something they need to hear. Right. Well, I if think they want me, I, hopefully they, they never ask me to speak on cessationism because <laughs> right. I would probably be run out. You know. Well, unless they wanted to have uh, a an event where they had multiple views being presented, that'd be interesting. Right uh, now, I have been I have been run out of one church, and I mean, I was literally run out. Really? Why? Yeah, one somebody stood up halfway in my sermon. It was an elder, and he said, "Why don't you just leave?" Oh yeah, he heard about you supporting Iron Trip and Zion Radio. <laughs> yeah, no, this this. <laughs> This was like 25 years ago, and I was stupid enough and naive enough. Let me let me take it back, probably 30 years ago. And it was, I'm, I'm not going to say what kind of church it was, but come to find out, they were pretty liberal. And I didn't know they didn't believe in the inspiration of and authority of Scripture. And the pastor really should have told me that. He did. He was a graduate of a school that believed that. And he believed it. And he wasn't there. And uh, I started speaking on, I, I used to do a sermon, I think I told you, on Second uh, Timothy 3.16, the word of God and the child of God. And I didn't know he. they didn't believe that. I didn't know it at all. And the guy stood up, and he was the head elder, and he says, why don't you just leave? Wow. By the way, I also want to mention that a group of guys that I highly respect that I've interviewed on this show who are speakers at the Open Air Theology Conference, which is a theologically reformed conference in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Their next one's coming up in February. One of their speakers, even though every other man, to my knowledge, is a cessationist, one of their speakers is Matt Slick. He's yeah, re- I know Matt. He's reformed, but he is charismatic. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, yeah. And uh, and also, I just recently, in fact, I think it was yesterday. Oh, no, day before yesterday. 
I had uh, Paul Jaley on my show, who is a reformed charismatic pastor in Plymouth, Massachusetts, and he is a brilliant historian and expert on the Salem Witch Trials. I would not hesitate for a second having him speak on that issue at a church where I was a member. So, uh, let, let me ask you this, going back to Matt, does he still have his radio program? I believe he does, yes. I'm almost certain of it. Yeah. I mean, it was probably like 2010, 2011, 2012. I used to be a frequent guest on his radio oh, program. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I will tell him you said hello. But we have to go to our final break right now. And if you have a question, send in your question immediately because we're rapidly running out of time. Chris Arnson at gmail.com. We'll be right back with Jerry Johnson. Please do not go away. James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries here. If you've watched my Dividing Line webcast often enough, you know I have a great love for getting Bibles and other documents vital to my ministry rebound to preserve and ensure their longevity. And besides that, they feel so good. I'm so delighted I discovered Post Tenebris Lux Bible Rebinding. No radio ad will be long enough to sing their praises sufficiently, but I'll give it a shot. Jeffrey Rice of Post Tenebris Lux is a remarkably gifted craftsman and artisan. All his work is done by hand from the cutting to the pleating of corners to the perimeter stitching. Jeffrey uses the finest and buttery soft imported leathers in a wide variety of gorgeous colors like the turquoise goat skin tanned in Italy used for my Nessie Allen 28th edition with a navy blue goat skin inside liner and the electric blue goat skin from a French tannery used to rebind a Reformation study Bible I used as a gift. The silver gilding he added on the page edges has a stunning mirror finish resembling highly polished chrome. Jeffrey will customize your rebinding to your specifications and even emboss your logo into the leather, making whatever he rebinds a one-of-a-kind work of art. For more details on Post Tenebris Lux Bible Rebinding, go to ptlbiblerebinding.com. That's ptlbiblerebinding.com. at thousands of community centers, high schools, middle schools, juvenile institutions, coffee shops, and local hangouts, Long Island Youth for Christ, staff and volunteers meet with young people who need Jesus. We are rural and urban, and we are always about the message of Jesus. Our mission is to have a noticeable spiritual impact on Long Island, New York, by engaging young people in the lifelong journey of following Christ. Long Island Youth for Christ has been a stalwart bedrock ministry since 1959. We have a world-class staff and a proven track record of bringing consistent love and encouragement to youths in need all over the country and around the world. Help honor our history by becoming a part of our future. Volunteer, donate, pray, or all of the above. For details, call Long Island Youth for Christ at 631 381-385-8333. That's 631-385-8333. Or visit liyfc.org. That's liyfc.org. Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005. The publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. 
It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, President and Professor of Systematic and Homiletical Theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Taylor, South Carolina. And the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Chuck White at the First Trinity Lutheran Church in Tonawanda, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Anthony Mathenia of Christ Church in Radford, Virginia, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Jesse Miller of Damascus Road Christian Church in Gardnerville, Nevada, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Bruce Bennett of Word of Truth Church in Farmingville, Long Island, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Rodney Brown of Metro Bible Church in South Lake, Texas, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Jim Harrison of Red Mills Baptist Church in Mayapack Falls, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order. Hi, I'm Buzz Taylor. Chris Arnzen of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio has had a long-time partnership with our friends at CVBBS, which stands for Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. They specialize in supplying Reformed and Puritan books and Bibles at discount prices that make them affordable for everyone. CVBBS has been a family-owned book service since 1987, operating out of Carlisle, Pennsylvania. They seek to bring you the best available Christian books and Bibles at the best possible prices. Unlike other book sites, they make no effort to provide every book that is available or popular because, frankly, much of what is being printed is not worth your time. That means you can get to the good stuff faster. It also means you don't have to worry about being assaulted by the pornographic, heretical, and otherwise faith-insulting materials promoted by the secular book vendors. Browse the pages at ease, shop at your leisure, and purchase with confidence at Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. Order online at cvbbs.com. That's cvbbs.com. Or you can order by phone at 1-800-656-0231. That's 1-800-656-0231. Please let our friends at CVBBS know that you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Hi, this is John Sampson, pastor of King's Church in Peoria, Arizona, taking a moment of your day to talk about Chris Arnzen and the Iron Sharpens Iron podcast. I consider Chris a true friend and a man of high integrity. He's a skilled interviewer who's not afraid to ask the big penetrating questions while always defending the key doctrines of the Christian faith. I've always been happy to point people to this podcast knowing it's one of the very few safe places on the internet where folk won't be led astray. I believe this podcast 
podcast needs to be heard far and wide. This is a day of great spiritual compromise, and yet God has raised Chris up for just such a time. And knowing this, it's up to us as members of the body of Christ to stand with such a ministry in prayer and in finances. I'm pleased to do so, and would like to ask you to prayerfully consider joining me in supporting Iron Sharpens Iron financially. Would you consider sending either a one-time gift or even becoming a regular monthly partner with this ministry? I know it would be a huge encouragement to Chris if you would. All the details can be found at ironsharpensironradio.com where you can click support. That's ironsharpensironradio.com. I'm Dr. Tony Costa, Professor of Apologetics and Islam at Toronto Baptist Seminary. I'm thrilled to introduce to you a church where I've been invited to speak and have grown to love, Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, Long Island, New York, pastored by Rich Jensen and Christopher McDowell. It's such a joy to witness and experience fellowship with people of God like the dear saints at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, who have an intensely passionate desire to continue digging deeper and deeper into the unfathomable riches of Christ in His Holy Word, and to enthusiastically proclaim Christ Jesus the King and His doctrines of sovereign grace in Suffolk County, Long Island, and beyond. I hope you also have the privilege of discovering this precious congregation and receive the blessing of being showered by their love, as I have. For more information on Hope Reformed Baptist Church, go to Hope Reformed li.net that's hope reformed li.net or call 631-696-5711 that's 631-696-5711 tell the folks at hope reformed baptist church of quorum long island new york that you heard about them from tony costa on iron sharpens iron And folks, I want to remind you, you've been hearing ads every single day for years now for the Historical Bible Society. I want to remind you that that very fine ministry was founded by its president, Daniel P. Buttafuoco, attorney at law, a very dear friend of mine dating back to the early 1990s. And in fact, even though Dan and I disagree over the sign gifts issue, Dan has still found this program to be valuable enough to be extremely generous financially in sponsoring the program. And he knows very well where I stand on these issues. Uh, If you are the victim of a serious personal injury or medical malpractice anywhere in the United States, please call 1-800-NOW-HURT, 1-800-NOW-HURT, or visit Dan Buttafuoco's website for Buttafuoco and Associates, 1-800-NOW-HURT.com. 1-800-NOW-HURT.COM. Please always mention that you heard about them from Chris Arnson of Iron Sharp and Zion Radio. Also, men in ministry leadership, you are all invited to the next free biannual Iron Sharp and Zion Radio Pastors Luncheon to be held on Thursday, June the 6th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Church of the Living Christ in Loysville, Pennsylvania, which is Perry County, Pennsylvania. My featured speaker for the very first time at one of my luncheons is Dr. Joel Beakey, who's also been a friend of mine, dating way back to the early 1990s before he became as world famous as he is now. Uh, And not only is your admission free and your lunch free, but every man in attendance will receive a heavy sack of books, possibly two, uh, 
of free brand new books personally selected by me and donated by generous publishers all over the United States and the United Kingdom. So if you would like to attend this event on Thursday, June 6th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. in Perry County, Pennsylvania, send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put Pastor's Luncheon in the subject line, and you will be registered absolutely free. We're now back with Jerry Johnson discussing his journey out of Pentecostalism. And uh, Cindy in Findlay, Ohio, wants you to know, Jerry, Matt Slick's call-in show airs Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So it's still on the air. And uh, we also have uh, Tucker in Stewart Manor, New York. Tucker, just like Tucker Carlson, one of my favorite talking heads on television. Uh, uh, Tucker asks, can you please spell out for us before we go off the air, what are the greatest dangers, in your opinion, of maintaining a Pentecostal or charismatic understanding of the gifts? Now, the greatest dangers, yeah. uh, I, of course, I believe, uh, what's his name, Justin? Peters. Yeah. Say it again. Justin Peters. Yeah, Justin Peters has a very good testimony, yes. if y'all have never heard that. And the thing was, I don't know, they didn't say it in proper words, but it was a fair inference to make that somehow, because I never spoke in tongues, the problem was with me and my faith. That's what they said. I And like I said, it wasn't in proper words, but that was the uh, impression that they gave. But uh, I, I think that's a big danger. But the biggest danger is they're adding to the word of God when they talk about tongues being a prophecy or a word of knowledge or it needs some type of interpretation. And then, you know, it becomes the word of God. And most Christians are familiar with Moses' words in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy. 4-2, and John's words at the end of Revelation that we're not supposed to add to the Word of God or subtract from it. And unfortunately, unwittingly, a lot of charismatics and Pentecostals do that. And again, I go back to that quote of uh, Curtis Crenshaw's where he says, if something is the same as Scripture, it is not needed. A Scripture already said it. If something is not equal to the scripture, which they claim, then it's not authoritative. And if something is, uh, something is added to the scriptures, then it should be rejected. And I think that's something that we really, really got to come to grips with. And I think charismatics and Pentecostals need to come to grips with. Yes. And, uh, can you tell me if a, uh, a friend of mine is correct who I don't know if this person is still Pentecostal or charismatic, but they were seeking to correct me on a post I put on Facebook. They were making the claim that the teaching that if you pray with a strong confidence that God is going to answer your prayer for healing and you're not living in disobedience, I mean, everybody sins, but you're not in open rebellion or or practicing some heinous, unrepented, unconfessed sin, 
that you your healing will occur. I was told that is only a teaching of the Word of Faith movement, and but I've heard that and witnessed it, it demonstrated and experienced in churches throughout my Christian life, uh, in churches that were not Word of Faith, and even churches that opposed Word of Faith teaching. Right. So, so, I mean, is is this person right that that's only a Word of Faith connection? I, I don't know if it's only a Word of Faith connection. I'll tell you this. Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God. We're not supposed to have faith in our faith yeah. or faith in our words. Right. Um, they will say things like, well, in the beginning, God said, see, there's power in words. And that's what they'll say. I remember hearing that numerous times, but they put the emphasis in the wrong place. It didn't happen because they said it. It happened because God said it. The emphasis should be on God. God speaks things in existence that are not so. God does it. And what if uh, you have a guy, he wants a mountain to move to the left, and he's confessing that it already happened, and he has faith in his faith, and then man B wants it to move to the right, and he's doing the same thing. <laughs> Which way is it going to move? Yeah, like athlete, well, like gonna, athletes on an opposite team. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to move the way God wants it to move, right. if he wants it to move at all. Right. Now, he may use us to be his channel, if you will, but it's because of God. So that, that is what I would say. I, do you have faith that you, uh, you have faith in God, not faith in the miracle? Right. And, you know, sometimes God, I heard Dr. Walter Martin said, say one time, he said, you know why you don't have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and a Maserati sitting in your driveway? Because God knows that the only way he can get you to look up is to put you flat on your back. <laughs> and I thought that was great. And you said that was Walter Martin? Yeah. Because interestingly enough, he was not a cessationist. No, he was not. But he was also not word of faith. Right, of course. So, and just to let your listeners know, years ago, I don't know if it's still applicable, but years ago, the Assemblies of God had a very good statement against the word of faith. Yes, and they also excommunicated uh, the Oneness Pentecostals. Yes, they did, back but, in but, 1950. But unfortunately, the issue of the Trinity seems to have uh, devolved into uh, a tertiary belief with many not all but many and you know td jakes has been invited to speak at trinitarian churches and is right. upheld as a great hero of the faith and the man's a heretic yeah. uh, i uh i will tell this story real quick i spoke at a large pentecostal church one time and i said to the pastor a great guy i said let's just ask people to write down their understanding of the Trinity and see what we get. And we got 38 answers. Now, it was a large church, but we got 38 answers. <laughs> I figure it was 38 people that thought they understood it. 95% of what we got back was Sabellian or oneness Pentecostalism. Wow. 
And by the way, uh, if you want, but, to but let me let me okay, say this: I don't think you could get Presbyterians or Baptists or anybody to answer that question correctly. I think that goes across denominational lines. You mean you, you can't get all of them? Because certainly you could get many who would answer. Yeah, correctly. I mean, but if, if you went to my church, uh, you would probably get more of a manifestation manifestation view like T.D. Jakes. Well, there's another reason you're going to get kicked out of your church. <laughs> by saying yeah, probably. <laughs> by saying Hopefully that. my pastor isn't listening today. <laughs> well, we got to go, brother. We are out of time. I thank you so much for being such a superb guest, as you always are. If anybody wants to get in touch with Jerry, you can email me, and I'll pass on your email to him. Send it to chrisarnson at gmail.com, chrisarnson at gmail.com. And I want to thank everybody who listened today, and I want you all to always remember for the rest of your lives that Jesus Christ is a far, far greater Savior than you are a sinner. Jesus Christ is a far, far greater Savior than you are a sinner.